0: talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart because I believe, like I said, I don't know if it was Friday or Sunday, but we're here for a purpose and we're here for a reason and we should all be finding out what that purpose and reason is. And. Uh, uh, Keith laughed at me. He said, where do you come up with that stuff? Because he always wants to know what I said after I said it because, you know, he's, he listens to every word. And so uh, he don't listen to the tape. He listens to me telling him as soon as it's done. And then I listen to what he did. And tonight is a really good night because I think it's the very first time that uh, we've had both churches going and Keith on the road. <laughs> Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. That is, I mean, that is ministering to a lot of people. Keith is... Uh, in Grand Junction and he's ministering to thousands of people there plus he's going worldwide internet there then uh, Dave the guy that was here helping me last week is in Branson ministering there and he's going worldwide internet there and we're here and we're not going anywhere (laughs) because we don't have our cameras yet guys we've got to get them okay so uh, we'll get them we'll get them they're coming so uh, no pressure, no pressure. But they're, they're on the way. But you know what? That is a really, really good thing to know that you're able to minister to more people, more fruit, multiplied, better better products. I mean, it costs just exactly the same thing in here tonight to turn on these lights for as many people as in here and the air conditioning as if the whole place was full. So we might as well minister to as many people as we can and get them helped and set free, right? So in saying that, You know, I believe we all have a purpose. And he laughed for 30 minutes when I told him, after you die, you're still going to have a light bill the month after. He said, Phil, that is just crazy. I said, well, it's the truth. Even after you die, you're still going to, the month after, you're going to have a light bill. So you can work and work and work to pay your light bill every single month. But even after that month that you die, you're going to still have a light bill. Or a phone bill or a gas bill or whatever your bills are. So you can never catch up with them. So, enough said. All right, let's read our scripture tonight. Ephesians 2.10. And if y'all get too quiet on me, I'll do like Brother Jesse does. I won't won't sit in the guy's lap. But I'll come sit in the one next to you's lap and kick you or something, you know. So y'all have to stay hooked with me. Maybe we'll get a little further tonight and we'll see if we can finish this and get on with something else. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those what? Okay, these five people are going to do some good works. What's the rest of y'all going to do? That we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand For us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the what? Good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, we've talked about this for, this makes our fourth week, I think, now that we've talked about this. And every week I've told you stories of things that's happened and stuff. In the first week we talked about where Keith and I came from and how we got in the ministry and all those kind of things. And so if you missed out on those storytelling nights, you can get the tape. It is available. And then the next week we talked about uh, getting in the ministry and, and knowing that... Uh, sometimes you've got to do something and your whole flesh is screaming, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, And like a two-year-old kicking and screaming a tantrum on the floor. That's the way your flesh can do sometimes. But if you ever give in and do what God tells you to do and not what your flesh says do, you can live the good life that He has prearranged and prepared for you to do. But if you give in to that flesh, it's not going to be such a good life. It'll get you on the wrong road. You'll be going down the wrong path and things can be bad and not good. You know, right after, I told you, I think, last Sunday, you know, about the first word of knowledge I ever had, so I'll tell you the story that kind of goes along with that. We left Raymond, he graduated on a Friday night, and we scheduled a meeting for the next week. Well, we had stuff going that whole weekend, and he was doing the music at Raymond then and stuff, and so we left on a Sunday afternoon, and we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, uh, morning and night meetings on our own. We booked our own ballroom, and we'd done all this stuff, and and we didn't let, I mean, moss grow under our feet at all. We have been hitting it ever since, you know. And uh, I thought when we quit working with Brother Hagen that uh, we'd have a vacation. I said, glory to God, we've been doing our ministry and doing Brother Hagen's stuff, and now we can take a little week vacation, you know. And God says, okay, I want y'all next week to go to Branson. I mean, we didn't even get a day, much less a week. We had a vacation, what's that word, you know. So, but anyway, we were there in Indiana. We're going to Indiana for this first meeting. Why Indiana? Who knows? But anyway, and we were coming back, and Keith was tired, and so he decided he would take a nap. So he's over there in the um, passenger seat taking a nap, and uh, they had these detour things up going across the bridge to get us back into coming into Oklahoma. And so I'm trying to follow all these detour signs, and I really have always been really good with directions. I rarely ever get lost, even before they had GPS things. But this particular night, it was dark. It was a strange place. There was road construction everywhere. It took you through all these little winding things. And I got lost. And I wound up in a part of town that if you would have stopped, you would have had no wheels and no tires and no hood and no anything within about five seconds. And uh, I... I started just crying. I guess tired and lost and, you know, all the combination of things all together. And Keith woke up to me crying. He said, Why are you... Because I never cry. And he he woke up to me crying. He said, Why are you crying? I said, I'm lost. I'm lost. He said, Well, whatever you do, don't stop. (laughs) He said, Just keep driving. Well, so he started trying to help me figure it out. And it was. It was quite a mess. We had to kind of do some things to get out of it. But The reason that I'm telling you that is because we were in a bad place, a really bad place that really bad things could have happened to us. But why were we in that bad place? Because we took the wrong road. We went down the wrong path. And had we not had taken the wrong road, we never would have ever been in that place or seen those things or had to ask God how to get out of those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people get themselves in such a mess and they're having to go to God and say, God, why? God, why? God, why? Why? when they're on the wrong road and they've got themselves in such a mess that they shouldn't even be in that state, in that town, in that city, on that job with those people, with that spouse, with the, and God's having to do everything he can to help them fix the mess that they made. But he will. That's how merciful and good he is. He'll help us fix it. So we want to find out the path that he has for us and stay on that path so that we can just be, when we got back on the interstate, I mean, we were going 85 and I wasn't crying anymore and it was smooth sailing. And Keith went right back to sleep. Well, that's how it's supposed to be with God. It should be that we're kind of like on the interstate of life, just going down. And yeah, the devil's going to throw out something every once in a while to try to trip you up. But you know what? If you've got your victory and you've got your joy and you're on the right path, He shouldn't be able to just trip you up. But what happens is people go through life and they don't deal with things as they come up. They keep procrastinating and they don't grow and they don't change anything. And God's saying, you know what, you need to fix this. You know what, you need to change that. You know what, you need to not do this anymore. And they keep putting it off year after year after year after year after year. And they stay the same and then all of a sudden sudden, something huge happens and they not only have the huge thing to deal with, but they got all the other things that just kept piling up and they've got this great big mountain that they don't have the faith or the strength to deal with then. So then you have collapse. And that's what we don't want to happen. We want to stay on the path that God has planned for us. And so the reason that God creates things and does things the way that he does them, the reason that he even did with his disciples. Look at, you remember the story of the rich young ruler. What happened to him? Why didn't he follow Jesus? Because he wanted to stay on the path that he had prepared for himself. And that's what happens to people a lot of times. They choose a different path for themselves. So we talked about some of those things, and we talked about faithfulness last week. And we talked about if you can't be faithful with another man, how is God ever going to give you your own? And we talked about the things and the way that they work around here. And it is not a goal of mine ever to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody. I know I've done it lots of times, but that's not my goal. It's not something I set out to do. But I do set out to do it as close to what the Word tells me to do it as I possibly can. And I know I wouldn't like it any more than anybody else would like it. If I went to a new church and I went there and I know I have skills in an area and I know I have abilities in an area and they told me, you start sweeping the floor. Well, that probably wouldn't bless me. But if I was mature enough and I was smart enough, I would know it's just like this. We see people all the time that come up to us and start talking to us and start saying things to us and start telling us all this stuff and they're talking to us like they know us, like they've known us all their lives. Why is that? Because they do know us. They've been sitting there watching us every single day. Some people have watched so many of Keith's videos, they know him better than me serious they can quote more of what he says than I can quote what he says they've played it over and over and over and over and over and over in their head and they'll walk up to him just like he's their husband almost you know just get right up in his face you know and and just all sorts of stuff you know and that's great and it's wonderful but that don't mean he knows them don't mean he knows them at all and that's what happens And I know well enough to know every person in this room is a good person, and you're a wonderful person. And you have talents, and you have abilities, and you have graces, and you have gifts, and you have good things inside you. But you know what? I have learned that everybody is graced and has abilities in certain areas that most people are not graced in every area. And contrary to what you think, you don't have all the gifts and you don't have all the graces and you don't have all the abilities. There's only one person that had that. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So what we try to do is as people come in, we don't want... And having trained and hired hundreds of people over the years, I learned this the hard way, and I don't like making the same mistakes twice, do you? But when you're training people, you put them in the wrong place, and then they become defeated because they don't have a grace to do that. They have no grace to do the job that you've asked them to do, so therefore they go away upset, defeated, disheartened, not happy, sad, Because they're trying to do something that God gave them no grace to do. So they just keep going through the motions of it every day. Where if you'll trust your leadership and you'll trust people that can hear from God and and you'll follow their steps. And so we learned this again the hard way. Like when we started the other church, we just started, well, we we need somebody here. We need somebody here. We need somebody here. We need somebody here. And you start popping people in places. That was the dumbest thing I could have ever done because I put people in places they had no grace and no ability to do and it would cause clashes and strifes and it would cause confusion because where there's confusion, there's every evil work and the devil has a a heyday then. But if you will let him... And you'll get in the place where you're asked to go first. I know it's not any fun to vacuum a floor, or it's not any fun to clean a window, or it's not any fun to work in the parking lot, or it's not any fun to change a baby's diaper. But if you'll do it, and let the people begin to know who you are, and they'll watch you just for a second. And they'll say, you know what? That person might have an ability to do this. That person, Mrs. Moore, come watch them for a minute. I think. And, and we'll start going in this direction, we'll start going in this direction, we'll start going in this direction. How do you think Dave, the guy that was here with me last week, started out walking in the door, sweeping floors and working in the parking lot, and then was an usher and then was is, is behind the pulpit today? Because of that, because of watching the graces that go on people's lives. And where God has a plan for somebody's life, it will fall right into place if they will just do the things that God has asked them to do. And it doesn't mean that you're not graced to do the higher level of things, but it just means if we are not putting you in the right place, it could cause you a problem. Okay, let me tell you this story. We hired our first employee. Well, we kind of hired her. Okay? Karen. Karen's been with us now. Janet, do you know 25, 30 years? I mean, she's been with us forever, okay? And we hired her on a Monday. She came to work for me. And she worked for me for about two weeks, and it was a mess. It was a royal mess. She didn't have a clue what she was doing. And I said, oh, God, did we mess up? But it didn't feel like we messed up. But what the deal was, Karen was supposed to work for us but she wasn't supposed to do the job that I had her doing. It wasn't, but three weeks later, another girl came along, and I thought, you know what, that's what the deal is. And we hired the other girl to be the secretary, and Karen to do the accounting stuff, and everything just smoothed right out. But we had Karen trying to do something she wasn't equipped to do. We had Karen trying to accomplish something it wasn't her grace to be able to do. Because God had not called her to do that part. But when God calls you to do a specific part, He will grace you and give give you the ability and the equipment to do those things. So if you're not feeling the graces and the abilities to do what you're doing, either hang in there until somebody sees where you're going to be placed and put, Or talk to God about it and say, God, is this really, if it's your job, is this really where I'm supposed to be? Show me where I'm supposed to be. So that's what we talked about last week with your faithfulness. And this week we're going to talk about the equipping part. Have you got time? Okay, well, let's go on with some of Jesus' service teams. We talked about those. And I just think it's just great that Jesus himself had to have teams to help him. And I think it's just great that he had to have the disciples. And I was thinking about it today sometime and I was thinking about the disciples when he told them to follow him I wonder what their salary was anybody find it anywhere now I know y'all are scriptorians and you've read your Bible right does it say anywhere in the Bible what the disciples salary was Does it say what day they got a vacation on? Huh? Does it say anything about what happened to their families and what they were supposed to do with them? Did he say anything about... If they were sick, if they were tired, if it was a 40 hour work week, if it was any of that stuff. Did he tell them any? Did he make them any guarantees when he said, Follow me? Zero, zilch, zippo, nada, none. He didn't. He didn't. And you say, You know, well, I'm not a disciple. Oh, really? You're not a follower of Christ? That's what a disciple means. How many of you who are in here are followers of Christ? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Raise that hand on up. I just told you. Yeah. We're all followers of Christ. But not for what we can get out of it, but for what we're supposed to put into it. It said follow means like an usher down an aisle. I thought that was really funny because you can't lead the usher down the aisle because you don't know where your seat is. You've got to follow him down the aisle to take your seat. So the crusade team went out. They did crusades. They followed Jesus. They healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead. Whatever Jesus did, they followed him. But what else did they do while they were on that crusade team? They served him, but they also watched and learned. They were learning the whole time they were there. And I know the whole time we served Brother Hagen, the very first day we went to serve him, Keith looked at me and he said, Phyllis, they will do things different than you and I would do them. And always keep this in your mind. We're not here to judge. We're here to learn and to serve. Do you know there's nobody in the whole wide world that will do things exactly the way that you do them? You are a very unique creature. God made you a total individual. He made you special. He made you one of a kind. And I don't care how much you love your spouse. I don't care how much y'all love each other. Y'all ain't going to do everything exactly the same way. You hand him a broom, he's going to sweep one way. He's going to turn the handle this way. You hand her a broom, she's going to do it a different way. And who says which way is right? Who gets to say? Who gets to say if you hold the broom this way or if you change the light bulb that way or you clean the cabinet this way or you sweep the floor that way? Who gets to say? The person that is responsible and accountable for it should be able to say if you have no accountability for an area, then you shouldn't be able to have so much say over an area. I know we've given accountability to certain people in areas. In Branson, they should have some say over an area, like Tom, the one that comes up here and makes announcements and stuff for us. Tom and Amy have been with us a long time, and they've proved their There's a lot of areas that we have... Um, Real soon, we have what we call our Celebration Sunday, and we probably have, I wish I could see his face, he's in there with the kids, but we probably have, I think I'm not exaggerating, how many people, Janet? Six, seven thousand people that show up that day, and they all want to be fed a meal, and they all want to get something for free, and they all want to go on rides, and they all want to bring their kids, and they all want to do all this stuff, and do you know, we are a month away from it? Two, what are we, a month and a half, two months away from it? I have no clue what's going on with it. But I guarantee you, Tom knows, Amy, his wife, knows, and Janet knows. Why? Because they have proven theirself year after year after year that it will be done. And it will be done accurately, and it will be done right, and there won't be any trouble, there won't be any lines, there won't be any problems. It will be handled properly. But now, I would not walk into my office today and hand that over. Oh, let's see who I can say. I wouldn't hand it over to Kate. I wouldn't hand it over to Greg. I wouldn't hand it over to... I wouldn't hand it over to 98% of my staff. I would never hand it over to uh, Steve. I would never hand... You know, and they do great at their area. But I would never hand it over to them. Because they never came up... And learned how to do that. And that's the way Jesus did with his disciples. They learned how to lay hands on the sick. They learned how to pray for people. They learned how to deal with situations. They learned how to cast out devils. But how did they do it? By watching what Jesus did. They didn't just start doing it. And say, hmm, maybe this will work. They followed someone that had already been experienced in that area doing it. And that's how they got results. Instead of just flying off the handle and trying to do something on their own. Now they did a few of those things. You saw the first week that we saw that they went and rebuked the kids for going and jumping on Jesus and Jesus rebuked them. So there will be times that that sort of thing happens. And then we found out about the hospitality team that um, you've got to do it exactly the way that the Lord leads you to do it and say exactly what He tells you to say and go exactly when He told them to go. Otherwise, they could have very well missed the guy there with the pitcher. Okay, you go to the town to get the upper room. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think that they knew the importance of this meal? Not a clue. Not one of them knew that this was going to be the Last Supper. Jesus called it the Passover meal. That had happened before. They had no clue of the importance of this. Now you could have a leader that could say, Go do this and not tell you the importance of why you need to do it this way. And they could just say, go do it this way. A leader like, say, um, God. And God could tell you, go do this this way. Go take care of this this way. It's not going to look right to you. And it's not going to feel right to you. But he says, go do it this way. You may not understand the importance of it. You may not get to see the end result. But if he says, go now and do it this way, he does see the end from the beginning. And he knows what's to come from the start to the finish. They prepared the upper room. It was the last supper. Was it important that they were there when the pitcher man came through? It was very important. Go, if you don't weren't here last week, he, they had to go to the city and, and find a man with a picture, and he was going to have an upper room for them to go prepare the last meal. Well, if they would have went to lunch first and gone shopping and bought some new shoes or, or called and texted half the way and got distracted and had to go take care of this and pay their bills and go by the bank before they did that and uh, do all the other things, they'd never met up with him. It's real important that you do things that the way... Um, it's been said, how many of you know John F. Kennedy had an airplane crash? Y'all remember that? Or, what was his name? John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yeah, Jr. Um, had an airplane crash. Do you know, Keith, it's one of his things, and he really studies airplane crashes, of course, being a pilot. And he really spent some time studying that airplane crash. And do you know that part of the reason they think that he had the airplane crash is because someone was running way behind time, that he had planned the flight schedule to leave way before that so that he could land way before dark because he wasn't skilled to fly into those conditions. And they were lollygagging around and made him way, way, way late. Is you being on time an important thing? Is it important that if you tell somebody, I will be there at 3 o'clock, that you be there at 3 o'clock? I know I used to be the very world's worst at this. When Keith and I got married, I would get ready. Almost. (laughs) Then... I would start cleaning house. Don't raise your hand, ladies. And I would be almost ready, but I would start cleaning house. And I would make us late every time we got ready to go somewhere. So every time we got ready to go somewhere, we had an argument. Now, what fun is there in that, in going anywhere, when you're fighting the whole time you're gone? Or you're not half not talking to each other the whole time you're gone because you were running late? Y'all don't get quiet. That's not a good time to get quiet. It's no fun. So you know what I did? I fixed it. I quit being late. Now I pride myself in being early. Not pride in the sense of pride, but I make sure that I'm early. I don't like being late. I do whatever it takes not to be late. I organize my closet so that I have things ready. I do things way in advance so that everything is in order so that it takes me less time to get ready. Because I don't like being late. It's a bad representation of the Lord. I think it misrepresents Him. I think if somebody, the Lord asks you to do something, you should represent Him properly. And you shouldn't go in there fighting with each other. So Jesus trained his crusade team. He trained his hospitality team. So the next team that Jesus had was a transportation team. Matthew 21, verse 2 says, Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you and straightway... What does straightway mean? Does time matter? You will find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, what? We need to borrow these for a few minutes. We'll bring them back in just a few minutes. Is that what he said? No, he says, say this, the Lord has need of them. And straightway he will send them. So sometimes it's important that you say exactly the way that you were told to say it. Because maybe you don't know what was going on behind the situation, and maybe they do. A lot of times, Keith will tell me, Phil, say it just like this. And I'll think, why? That's not the way I talk. Like announcements. Oh, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth when I'd get ready to make announcements. Because he is very technical with his words. And he watches the way he says things. Because I guess um, if people have a tendency to think what they want to think when you say something okay they read into things or they think it differently than what you say but you know what i've gotten so many ugly grams i don't even care what they think if they if they get it you know i do care but you know what you can only watch that so much as far as i'm concerned you know they either like me or they don't i'm blonde i don't care <laughs> but anyway say it this way say we'll have one service on sunday instead of saying we're changing from having two services and the service will be at 10 o'clock. He says, Phil, say, there will be one service on Sunday. And I'd get up there and, and the one word he'd tell me to say, I would mix it up every time. And I'd forget that word. And I'd have it written in bold and I'd write red and stars around it. And I'd forget it every time. But, you know, it is important. Because there are people that do need to hear it that way in order for it to mean anything to them. Because some people are very much that way. Things have to line up. I know people that everything in their refrigerator is lined up just a certain way and it has to face the front and it has to, and everything has to be lined up in their sock drawer and everything has to be, they need to come and work for me. <laughs> but, you know, there are things that need to be, there's professions and things that need to be done that way. And him being a pilot, it has to be that way. Because when they say, take off now, that doesn't mean 45 minutes from now. That means that another airplane could be right on your tail and you need to take off now. Or when they say, say it this way, you say it this way. Because uh, if you say it backwards or something, it means something totally different. And so it's really important to him, your words. And so when Jesus says, say it this way, he didn't say, um, and it's like confessions. Uh, I have no pain, I have no pain, I have no pain. That's not calling your body healed. I call my body healed is different from saying I have no pain. Our words mean something, and we need to look at what we're saying. And when somebody tells us, say, um, I call my body healed, then you should call your body healed and not say I have no bills. I call my bills paid. There's a big difference between the two terminologies. And that's what's given the faith movement, as you would say, a bad name. Because people went around and t- changing the words of what people were saying. They would say, I have no bills, instead of I call my bills paid. When you had bills, you had lots of bills and you should be paying them. So when you're told to say something, watch how you're saying it and make sure you say it that way. And then this next one is the usher team. It's, Jesus had an usher team, and they were the best usher team. I think we've had some of the best usher teams, but listen to this one. In Matthew 14:17. this is the NIV. It says, Jesus is there, and it's the story of the five loaves and the two fishes. How many have ever heard that story? Yes. But did you know he had ushers? Had you ever thought about it? Well, listen to it and see if you think it. we We have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Was it important? Must have been important. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his ushers, and the ushers gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the ushers picked up 12 basketfuls of the broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, was it important that the ushers did it exactly the way that Jesus directed them to do it? You don't think so, because only three people said yes. Let me explain to you why it was important. And Mr. Sky, wherever you are, can you turn this back down a little bit? I'm really getting warm up here. Um, I know y'all are not, but y'all have to find you a blanket. Are y'all getting warm? Yeah, good. I'm really getting warm. Um, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks for it. And when he gave thanks for it, it was very important... That it went in the order that he did it. There was an anointing in the order that he did it. Follow me closely. This is the bread. He took it, he broke it, he gave it to the people closest to to him, where the, the way the anointing flowed. He broke it, he gave it to his two ushers. Then what did his ushers do? Take the bread. Okay? Take your hands, take the bread. Take your hands. Now, what did this usher do? He broke it, and he gave it to the person next to him. And then this person broke it and gave it to the person next to them. And it was a line, a chain down. But the way that it happened is God gave it to the one. God God blessed it through Jesus, the chain of command from Jesus, to the next head person. He gave it to the usher. The usher broke it. That's where the anointing was, the next person under Jesus. Then what happened when they went to pick it up? He used his very same people, the ushers. They went to pick it up. When they touched it, there was food still there. They picked up everything that was left. When they broke that bread, it multiplied. Every time they go to break it, it would multiply. That's how they fed that many people. Because when they did it the way that the Lord told them to do it, there was anointings that flowed through that and it multiplied and it broke and it was blessed. Because it went exactly the way the Lord directed him. He gave it to this one and what did he do with it? He broke it and then he gave it to the one next to him. Now, there's wives and kids and families. There was no telling how many people there. But this usher was here, this usher was here, this usher was here, this usher was here. And they all did it exactly the way that the Lord told them to do it. And there was enough to feed everybody. Now what if... What if he had had rebellious ushers? And he'd have said, Okay, take this. Break it. Hand it out. But what if he'd had the ushers that would have said, You know what? I'm just really, really hungry today. And they would have eaten it. There wouldn't have been enough food. Or what if... They would have put people in groups of 25. Or what if they would have put people in groups of 100? Would it have mattered? It would have mattered. We wouldn't be hearing this story. But because they followed the instructions that the Lord gave them, God was able to do it exactly the way he intended to do it. He, Jesus, prayed. God blessed it. Jesus broke it. Then he gave the one broken piece to this one. This one broke it. They gave another broken piece to this one. And it went on down the line. And the anointing flowed through all that food and everybody's belly got full. I wonder if that could happen in your house. If things really do start with the head and direction and things and money really do start. I Keith laughs at me. But I constantly have people giving me money. I mean, I constantly, it just never fails. I've constantly got people handing me $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000, never fails. But every time I get money, every time I get money, very first thing I do is I go hand him some. I ain't dumb. Every time I get something to eat, I say, here. I don't care what it is. I am not dumb. I follow the anointing. And I get as close to it as I can. Because if you want things to be different in your life, that's what you do. Is you follow where the anointing flows down from. You don't just follow every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You follow where the anointing comes down from. And yeah, he's my husband, but he's also a man of God. And when he's ministering and he's speaking... He's not just somebody up here in the pulpit. He's somebody that I respect and I listen to. And I've heard every story he's told probably more than most people. But every time he tells it, it's different. And I get helped. Now, do, do you think that the this usher team or this um, transportation team or this hospitality team Or this um, crusade team had a clue of what they were supposed to be doing. Or that they were equipped to do this job. Or they knew what they were supposed to be doing. It's apparent that they didn't. He was having to spoon feed them through everything that they were supposed to do and tell them what they were supposed to do. But because of the anointing, God equipped them to do everything that they needed to do. It reminded me today when I was studying this of another man. Anybody remember the story of Moses? Did God call Moses to do a job? I'm not going to have you turn there, but but let me tell you the story just a little bit, and I'll read you a little bit of it. Exodus 4. It says, this is the NIV. He, he was talking about what God was calling him to do, and Moses answered and said, What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they don't take my word for it? And the Lord tells him, what's in your hand? And they go on and he says, um, uh, then he goes on down to verse 10. Okay? Verse 10 is very, very interesting. Verse 10 says, Moses says to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, nor in the past Uh, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, Moses thought he had a speech impediment. Right? Everybody has heard this, right? Okay? So God let Moses off the hook because he had a speech impediment. No, no, and double no. He did not. Listen to what God told him. The Lord said to him, in verse 11, Who gave you that mouth? And who makes you deaf or mute? And who gives you sight? Or who makes you blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Verse 12, Now go and I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. He was not expecting Moses to figure it all out for himself. He was not expecting Moses to know what to do. He was not expecting Moses to be able to teach or say or do anything. He was expecting Moses to be dependent upon him. And that's where we mess up. It's because we think, because we've been given a task or we've been given an assignment or we've been given a job, that here we are, it's ours, and we're it, and we can do it. Well, there's nothing in this world that you can do without the grace and ability and breath and wisdom. I read them all to you during the offering. It all comes from God. You don't have the smarts to get out of the bed in the morning and comb your pretty little hair. You don't have the smarts to get up and look in the mirror in the morning. If you don't look to God for every single decision that you make and ask Him to anoint you throughout the day to go to the left or go to the right or which way you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do or how to deal with the situation, you're going to make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. But there's a way of fixing the mistakes. All you've got to do is constantly be looking to the one inside you, constantly be asking him, Okay, Lord, what do I do? Okay, Lord, do I go now or do I wait? Okay, Lord, do I say this or do I not? Okay, Lord, do I do this or do I not? You're constantly checking with the one inside of you, finding the direction that you need to do, finding what you need to say, finding out if it's time to zip it or say it. And if you'll do that, you'll never miss it. You don't have to wonder what you're supposed to do or how to do it. Because there's so much in this world that changes every single day. And it's like everything else. There is no pat answer to every situation. Because there are no two people alike. You cannot say, okay, uh, the Branson Church, the ushers do this. Okay, so these ushers here are going to do that. No! No! Because this is two different churches. You can't say, okay, are you two married? Your father and daughter? Who's the sis? Okay. So, okay, say they're married. Okay, let's get a married couple. Okay, you two are, that might be better. Okay, so you two are married. Okay. So um, you can't tell them that are married, you're married, right? Okay, you two are married. Yes. All right. You can't tell them. They have a spat. It's the exact same spat. Uh, She's running late. Okay, she runs late. Okay, we already used that, so we'll just use that again. Okay, you can't tell them exactly the same counsel. It will not work for her, and it will not work for her, it will not work for him, won't work. Why? Because you've got four individual people here. God did not make us a, an exact carbon copy clone. He made each one of us an individual person, and each one of us have an individual mind. And each one of us do things for a different reason. And each one of us think different thoughts. And each one of us say things differently. And any time you get anybody's book or anybody's manual that says do it this way, you're going to miss it. Because you're not them. And they only know what worked for them. And it's not going to work for you. And there's no two surgeries that are exactly identical. There's no two... uh, uh, jobs that are exactly identical. There's no two anything that is exactly identical. And so that's why in doing these things, we've got to learn how to trust him to teach us each thing that we do. Just like he was going to teach Moses. And if you don't think he can teach you, I had them do something for me today. Can you guys, Josh or Shariq, do y'all have those pictures today? Of the very first one? Can y'all put that up? This is the very first airplane Keith and I ever owned. Don't y'all love my stories? I'll tell y'all of them. The very first airplane Keith and I ever owned, we bought from Brother Copeland. And um, we had it for a long time. And Keith learned how to fly in that airplane. And I learned how to get green as that chair in that airplane. Because he would train, and I would have to ride in the back with his instructor in the front. And I remember one time we flew to San Francisco, and and he was having to fly with a mask over his face to learn how to fly instruments and stuff. And we flew all the way over the mountains in that airplane, him flying, instrument flying. It was windy, windy, windy. But anyway, okay, he's learning how to fly. Well, God gave us that airplane, and we used it, and we did meeting after meeting after meeting in it year after year. But you know what? Right after God gave us that airplane, can you put the other airplane up? He gave us that airplane. Now that's quite a jump. From a bonanza to a hawker. That is quite some kind of a jump. And I don't know, I tried to get it in time, but I didn't get it in time. I was going to show you the panels. Maybe I'll show you the difference in the panels. I mean, it's like three little gauges on the bonanza, and the hawker has, has got instruments all down the front and all up the top and all down the sides. And, and my husband went to school, and with the help of the Lord, in a month's time, past flight safety, and came out flying that thing. Was it because he was so good? Absolutely, positively, unequivocally, no. And he'll be the very first to tell you. The people at the school kept saying, you can't do this. This is impossible to do this. And he looked at them and he said, well, can I just try? And if you see I'm not making it, then you can let me go. Every day they'd say, we don't know how you're making it. We don't know how you are doing this. This is an impossible task. It has not been done. To go from a bonanza to this in the short period of time that you're doing it in. But why did that have to transpire? Because God knew the next steps that he was going to be taking. God knew that he was not going to be able to use that little airplane in order to accomplish what we needed to accomplish over the next several years. And had he not have gotten that airplane that someone gave us and got the time in it, then we wouldn't be able to do all the things that we were going to have to do over the next several years and be where we needed to be over the next several years. And so he needed him to be able to jump from that to that. So, was he able to equip him with the knowledge and the skills and the wisdom and the learning in order to be able to do that? Can he do that with you? He absolutely can do with you whatever you will open your heart up to let him do with you. Maybe you feel like, You're not equipped to do anything. Maybe you feel like you're not equipped to uh, helping kids. Maybe you feel like you're not equipped to run a TV camera. Maybe you feel like you're not equipped to do anything for the Lord. But i got news for you. He is the equipper. And He can give you everything that you need in order to accomplish whatever you need for Him. And my greatest joy is to know That if he put you in my path, I have a job. And you want to know what that job is? To see that when you get to heaven and you walk through those pearly gates, that you have rewards following you. So I got news for you. You are mine now and you will have rewards when you get into heaven. Because that's my task. It's my task to make sure that there's not anyone that I'm responsible for that leaves this church and they don't have any rewards when they get to heaven. That would make me a bad leader. Would make me a horrible leader. I don't care if you've got to uh, cut weeds with a pair of scissors. We will find graces for every person. There's not anybody that can't do something for the Lord. And I'm telling you, I am one miracle standing here to be standing here. And my husband will be the very first to tell you, the first 10 years that I ever got up to speak in front of people, I threw up every time. Every time I had to get up in front of people to speak, I threw up. And I still have to watch my mouth to say I don't like it. It has not been my area. It has not been my thing. It has not been... It's, I would so much rather be back behind those doors. I'd so much rather be here those three years scrubbing floors, cleaning toilets. I, it's, I would just much rather it. But if it is one thing that I do... That helps somebody get on the right path or get turned or do the right thing and they have one reward that they get to when they get to heaven that they didn't have before, then I've accomplished what he put me here for. And so that's why when we talk about these service teams with Jesus, it's very important. They did it all. There wasn't anything that his disciples were not required to do. And I guarantee you, there were times in their life that they felt like this ain't my grace, God. This ain't my grace. It cast out devils. Your disciples couldn't do it, Jesus. That's because that's, that's not our grace. He, did he say that's because that's not your grace? He said, no, because you didn't fast and pray enough, boys. No. They went back to him with things that they couldn't do, and he'd say, this is how you do it, boys. This is how you get it done. And that's the way we're going to be. And the reason that we're going to do it is not just for your rewards is so that we can get all the people that we're supposed to get in here, get them saved, get them healed, get them set free, get their lives turned around, get them out of the torment and the turmoil that they've been living in for decade after decade after decade. Get them on the right paths. Because it's not our job as the leaders to get everybody saved, get everybody healed. We don't come in contact with everybody you come in contact with. You come in contact with them. So are you all ready to do any of that? Then hook with me if you would. And if you're not serving someplace, uh, there's one more team on here, I think. Let me get to it real quick, and then I'll tell you that. This team, the prayer team. Did Jesus have a prayer team? Yes. What did they do? You're going to laugh at this one. Jesus came to them, Matthew 26:36, in a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go and pray. And he took two of his son, uh, two with him, Peter and the sons of Zebedee. And they got very sorrowful and very heavy. He got very sorrowful and very heavy. But he came back. I'm trying to get to this part. In verse 40. And he found his disciples doing what? Sleeping. Sleeping. And he says, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Well, he went away again the second time. Verse 43. And again, he found them asleep. For their eyes were very heavy. And he left them. And he went away again the third time. And the same words. And he came back and he said, sleep on, take your rest. Do you think he really meant sleep on, take your rest? It's kind of like, you're useless to me now. It's already going to happen. But let me ask you this question. Why did they keep falling to sleep? This is an area that I get in trouble with. My husband far more than any area in our whole married life. See, I tell you all my secrets. And I'm going to find out all yours, too. Watch. Bill, stop. Shut down. It's time to quit. Turn that off. Cut that computer off. Quit doing that. You have to rest. You have to quit. You have to stop. You have to do this. It's time. Quit. Time to go to bed. Stop. Because they were doing things when they should not be doing them, when they should have been resting. If they would have been resting when they should have been resting, they wouldn't have been falling to sleep when they shouldn't have been falling to sleep. They would have been ready to pray when they should have been ready to pray. And if you'll trust God and be led by Him, He'll say, you know what? You might need to take a nap this afternoon. Or you know what? You might need to uh, go get that shopping done today instead of tomorrow. Or you know what? You might need to clean your house today instead of tomorrow. And that procrastination thing, put it off. Or you might need to get some extra sleep this weekend instead of going doing all that stuff and working in the yard. And if you'll do that, you'll never miss God. You'll never miss the things that He has planned for you. You'll never miss out on what He has for you. You'll be led, and you'll be in the right place at the right time. I'm trying to finish this. Y'all got just a minute longer? Okay, so that we can go on to something else. So always, always, always be led by what God's telling you to do. If he says sleep, not in here right now. Wake up. That's what he's talking about. You're sleeping when you shouldn't be sleeping. You know what, maybe we will just quit because there's one more and you'll want to hear about it. So maybe we will just quit for tonight and we'll pick up, I don't know what next week brings, but stand up anyway, we'll go on. You can wait, I'll do like Fred Price, he stops in (laughs) mid-sentence. So uh, we'll stop for tonight, what time is it? Yeah, it's late, it's late enough.